All right, we're going to continue on in our study through the uh, Old Testament together. We're actually working through the whole Bible. We've done the New Testament together. That took us a little over five years, and uh, we're eight and a half years into this journey now. Eight, yeah, and we, uh, we're, we've done in the Old Testament Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Now we're on the book of Numbers. And we're, we're working through, so far, chapter at a time. Sometimes I will put a couple chapters together or do a half a chapter or something. But for the most part, over the last eight and a half years, we've been looking at the Bible one chapter a week and kind of talking about the highlights of those things. Um, it gives us context. And really, when, you're, when you read the Bible, that's, you need context. You need to know how it all fits together. You need to know the, the, the thread that's weaving through it, the, the crimson thread of redemption, we like to call it, from Genesis 3.15 all the way to the cross, and how it's working its way through the Scripture and how that all holds it, in, it together so that we don't... Um, we never want to take a verse from here and a verse from here and a verse from here and make it say something that it's not saying in the context of the Scripture. And so it's very important that we study those things together. So we are in Numbers 3 today. And um, God is preparing His people for the big march into the Promised Land. That's what's taking place. He's going to take them into the Promised Land, and they need to be organized to do that. And so over the last couple of chapters, we sort of, we, we saw this census that was taken of the people of Israel so that they could be set up basically in sort of a military uh, way for this march. And we saw how they were going to be camped by families and tribes, uh, three on each side surrounding the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was going to be in the center. It was a picture of God's presence being in the center of everything. And, and now the Levites they're going to be sort of camped around the tabernacle. And, and so they're around the tabernacle, basically taking care of the, the ministry side of things um, and um, always there in the midst of the folks going on. The Levites would not be the, the sort of first line involved in the, the battles on the marches, but they were there to make sure the tabernacle was moved properly and that people had access to God and, and that was all done well. So... It's like setting things up. And, and there's some neat comparisons that I want to look at today in this process of uh, we're going to talk about the priests again and the Levites and see what we can think of that. And also, um, it's a picture of the, the ministry in a lot of ways of what has to be done. And it's a, it's a good picture for the church because um, the church, you know, there's, I was teasing on the way in, there's always something going on. There's a, there's a lot to do. There's There's always, you know, people to see. There's there's places to go. There's work that needs to be done. There's people that need to be encouraged. There's, there's counseling that has to take place. There's visiting. Um, you know, uh, we need to draw closer and closer to the Lord. And, you know, beyond that, we've talked about our mission is reaching out to the lost. And, um, and then there's just, you know, administrative stuff and ongoing care of the facility and things that have to happen. And all of that requires lots of people to be involved. And, and um, that's a picture of what's happening as we watch how they set up the ministry. Everyone is sort of being um, told what their place is, how they fit, what they need to be doing in order to keep everything moving forward on their journey to the promised land. And so from that, what we get, and we've talked about this a lot throughout, the, is that we're all called to be ministers now. Um, that's, that's what we do. We're 
when you become a believer, you're a, you're a minister. You're part of the, the royal priesthood now. You have things to do within the body of Christ, things that God has gifted you for and called you to and, uh, and the things that need to take place and be done. And, and so everybody, if everybody needs to sort of come in and find their spot and do those things in the body of Christ. And um, we're going to see how that's starting to take place in Numbers 3. So in Numbers 1 and 2, as I said, the first two chapters, they were organized, counted, organized into military divisions. They had their banners and their standards to identify where they were going to be and who they belonged to. And um, now the Levites are going to be counted and organized by their tribes and assigned their tasks. And remember, the Levites had been set apart um, for the service of God. And so they weren't, take, they weren't part of that first census that happened because these are they're special for God in the process. We'll talk about that as we go. But let me read it to you. I'm going to read the third chapter of Numbers. It's a long chapter, 51 verses. I'm reading out of the NIV. Whatever translation you prefer is fine with me. And uh, I think I got all but the last verse or two onto your note page, but they didn't all fit. So... I got most of them on there, but then to get them to fit, the font was too small. You wouldn't have seen it anyway. Verse 1, number 3. This is the account of the family of Aaron and Moses at the time the Lord talked with Moses on Mount Sinai. The names of the son of Aaron were Nadab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Those were the names of Aaron's sons, the anointed priests who were ordained to serve as priests. Nadab and Abihu, however, fell dead before the Lord when they made an offering with unauthorized fire before him in the desert of Sinai. They had no sons, so only Eleazar and Ithamar served as priests during the lifetime of their father Aaron. The Lord said to Moses, Bring the tribe of Levi and present them to Aaron, the priest, to assist him. They are to perform duties for him and for the whole community the tent of meeting by doing the work of the tabernacle. They are to take care of all the furnishings of the tent of meeting, fulfilling the obligations of the Israelites by doing the work of the tabernacle. Give the, give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are the Israelites who are to be given wholly to him. Appoint Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. Anyone else who approaches the sanctuary must be put to death. The Lord also said to Moses, I have taken the Levites from among the Israelites in place of the first male offspring of every Israelite woman. The Levites are mine, for all the firstborn are mine. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set apart for myself every firstborn in Israel, whether man or animal. They are to be mine. I am the Lord. The Lord said to Moses in the desert of Sinai, count the Levites by their families and clans. Count every male a month old or more. So Moses counted them as he was commanded by the word of the Lord. These were the names of the sons of Levi. Remember, I taught you about the names in the Old Testament. If you don't know the name, just fake it. And don't tell anybody. <laughs> Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. These were the names of the Gershonite clans, Libni and Shemai. The Kohathite clans, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. The Merarite clans, Mali and Mushi. Sorry, that's funny. Could have been mushy, I guess, but I don't know. These were the Levite clans, according to their families. To Gershon belonged the clans of the Libnites and the Shimeites. Uh, these were the Gershonite clans. The number of all the males a month old or more who were counted was 7,500. The Gershonite clans were to camp on the west behind the tabernacle. The leader of the families of the Gershonites was Eliasaph, the son of Lal. 
At the tent of meeting, the Gershonites were responsible for the care of the tabernacle and tent, its coverings, the curtain at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the curtains of the courtyard, the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard surrounding the tabernacle and altar, and the ropes, and everything related to their youth. To Kohath, along the clans of the Amramites, Isharites, Hebronites, and Uzielites, these were the Kohathite clans. The number of all the males a month old or more was 8,600. The Kohathites were responsible for the care of the sanctuary. The Kohathite clan were to camp on the south side of the tabernacle. The leader of the families of the Kohathite clans was Elizaphan, the son of Uziel. They were responsible for the care of the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the articles of the sanctuary used in ministering, the curtain, and everything related to their use. The chief leader of the Levites was Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest. He was appointed over those who were responsible for the care of the sanctuary. To Merari belonged the clans of the Malites and the Mushites. These were the Merarite clans. The number of all the males, a month old or more, who were counted was 6,200. The leader of the families of the Merarite clans was Zuriel, son of Abihail. They were to camp on the north side of the tabernacle. The Merarites were appointed to take care of the frames of the tabernacle, its crossbars, posts, bases, all its equipment, and everything related to their youth, as well as the posts of the surrounding courtyard with their bases, tags, tent pegs, and ropes. Moses and Aaron and his sons were to camp to the east of the tabernacle toward the sunrise in front of the tent of meeting. They were responsible for the care of the sanctuary on behalf of the Israelites. Anyone else who approached the sanctuary was to be put to death. The total number of Levites counted at the Lord's command by Moses and Aaron according to their clans, including every male a month old or more, was 22,000. The Lord said to Moses, Count all the firstborn Israelite males who are a month old or more and make a list of their names. Take the Levites for me in place of all the firstborn of the Israelites and the livestock of the Levites in place of all the firstborn of the livestock of the Israelites. I am the Lord. So Moses counted all the firstborn of the Israelites as the Lord commanded him. The total number of firstborn males a month old or more listed by name was 22,273. The Lord also said to Moses, Take the Levites in place of all the firstborn of Israel and the livestock of the Levites in place of their livestock. The Levites are to be mine. I am the Lord. To redeem the 273 firstborn Israelites who exceed the number of the Levites, collect five shekels for each one according to the sanctuary shekel, which weighs 20 giras. Give the money for the redemption of the additional Israelites to Aaron and his son. So Moses collected the redemption money from those who exceeded the number redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the Israelites, he collected silver weighing 1,365 shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel. Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons as he was commanded by the word of the Lord. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. Now, so numbers. So sometimes when you read something like that, you might think, wow, that's boring. <laughs> uh, kind of, I guess. But there's, there's pictures in there that are going on. And there's things happening that are so cool. And it's such a cool thing to see what God is up to and how He takes care of things and the way that He's so intricately involved in life. So let's, let's work through it together, and then we'll see how you feel about this chapter at the end. So in the first four verses, we, it's called the family line of Aaron and Moses. Now, Aaron and Moses are brothers, right? And, uh, um, but mostly we're getting Aaron's family line here in this story, but, but that's what's happening because, remember, Aaron is the priest, uh, and, and he's to serve as the priest, uh, and so were his sons to serve as priests. There were four sons initially, Nadab, 
Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And so all four of them were anointed to serve as priests for the nation of Israel, the ministers of God to His people. And, and so they were anointed and they were consecrated, and that sort of set them apart from sort of the, the secular things of the community. And they had a very special commitment to God. They were supposed to. They were, to be, uh, they were appointed to be the official teachers of God's people. But uh, even more than this, God ordained the priests to be a type or a picture of the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world. So those priests were a picture of what Jesus was going to be when He came. Now, they didn't know that at the time because they, they weren't that in tune to the story, obviously, yet. But the New Testament teaches that throughout the book of Hebrews. In, in fact, you, you, this type is set up in Hebrews 2, Hebrews 4, Hebrews 5, 6, 7, 8. Uh, all these things point to the idea of the, these priests being a, a picture of who Jesus would be, of what the Messiah would be like, and what He would look like as our great high priest. So um, these priests were the only ones who could handle the blood that, that was necessary for the sacrifice. They were the only ones allowed to touch the altar and they were the only ones allowed to enter the tent of meeting. And, and that's all pictures of who Jesus is. Um, Jesus was the one who would, and was the only one who could bring the sacrificial blood. Uh, and, and it was Him who would provide that sacrifice for us and for the world. Um, he, he was alone, the only one that, that could be the, the only sacrifice that could ever be counted for us on the altar. Um, no other sacrifice would ever please God. Uh, in the way that His sacrifice would, so that we could be reconciled to Him. And, and also, Jesus is the only one that has the right to enter the, the inner sanctuary of God, if you would. No other person is acceptable um, other than the perfect, sinless Son of God. And it's because He was acceptable that we're acceptable now. Because, remember, I tell you this all the time, God chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son, all who believe. That's why we have this access to God that was unthought of back then. Remember, it was just the priest, just the high priest, only once a year and only for a very short period of time to atone for the sins of the people. That was the only connection that, that they were allowed, and yet we're allowed that connection in Christ 24-7. It's really an amazing thing. But this is what you start to see, these pictures that are happening um, so that um, we can see when it actually takes place, and when it's set up perfectly in Christ, what it looks like. Um, the the uh, priests were ordained to be the mediators that stood between God and the people, uh, and they were to represent God before the people and represent the people before God. And again, that's a picture, it's a symbol of Jesus who stands before us as our mediator. Um, it's in Him that we have access to the Father. And so he's the only mediator we need. We just we go to Jesus and we're in. And that's uh, what happens. And again, throughout Hebrews, you can see that picture. Now, so we have the priest, and it's a picture of Christ. We'll be thinking about that. Um, also note this, that, that so it was to be Aaron and his four sons that were set up as priests, but two of the sons we, in Leviticus 10, we know, were wiped out um, because... They disobeyed the Lord completely, and they, um, they offered unauthorized fire is what we have it. They, they sort of bypassed the, there was a way to do things, and what these two guys did was we can do it whatever we want. We're going to go our way. It was also possible, we think, that they had been drinking at the time. 
which was inappropriate when they're doing their, their ministerial, ministerial duties. And um, they might have actually entered into the holy place, which is what probably finally put them way over the line. And so um, they disobeyed God and sort of decided they could come up with their own way to worship. And, and unfortunately, people still want to think they can do that today. Um, and, and the response may not be as immediate as that one was, but um, there is a response to thinking that you can do it your own way. Um, so, so you have that issue, and um, we, you know, we read about it back then. It's, you know, the lightning bolt shot out of the presence of God, and they were done. Um, kind of sad, too, because they had no children either, so that just finished their line um, out of their disobedience. So the two youngest sons were the only one who served as priests during Aaron's lifetime. So think about it. There's um, this two to four million people in the nation of Israel this time, and there's three priests. That's it. And they got to sleep sometime, right? And that's a lot of stuff to do. I said, in a little place like this, there's a, there's a constant amount of stuff to do. Imagine the amount of stuff that had to be done when two to four million people on the move most of the time, and everything picked up and moved, tabernacle and all. And so um, the three priests obviously couldn't do it. And so what they had was they had the Levites who were set apart for this task. And, and they would come in, and they would sort of... Um, be the hands and the feet. They would do those things. So here's the picture. Now, the high priest is a picture of Jesus, who's the head of the church. And then, so we're the body, right? So we're the hands and feet. So it's a great picture that he calls us now to do those things that are required for um, the continuation of our march into the promised land together. And so we're, we're seen in this as the, the people who come in to be a part of this process. And we'll pick up more of that here in verses 5 through 13. So the Levites were set apart to be assistants to the priests. So, so we're called into this thing to be a part of the body with Christ as uh, the head. And, and so their position was very meaningful. Um, and they became the substitute. Um, they were the replacement for the firstborn sons. So uh, this, this is important because God says in there, the Levites are mine. Do you remember during the, when we studied the plagues, and the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And the people of Israel were told to sacrifice a lamb, a perfect lamb, uh, without defect. All this is a picture of Christ. They were to take the blood, and they were to put it over the doorposts of their household. And when the angel of death came, he would pass over everywhere where those markings were. And so the firstborn of Israel were spared. All of that's a, it was a picture, these things are pictures of the ministry of Jesus and what he would do. The, the perfect lamb is, you know, we know Jesus is, and his blood um, sacrificed for us covers us now so that we are spared from the angel of death. Um, now, obviously, this, this body eventually dies, but, but we, as believers, we live forever. So we, we skip that. We're going to go to be with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, so we see that picture of Passover in what's happened. And when that happened, um, the firstborn of Israel were spared, and, and God said, um, all those firstborn now belong to me, um, in, in effect. So they're going to be mine. Um, up till that time, the firstborn son of every household 
was, was responsible for the service of God among the people of God. And, and so that was their responsibility. So God is taking them and making him his own. And um, he's doing that now in the bigger context of the community. And he's sort of he's saying, okay, remember all those ones that were mine? Now they're going to come in and we're going to do a count. That's why he had to count all the firstborn in Israel. There was 22,000 plus, And they had 22,000 in the Levites. And so there's a difference of 273. So he said, okay, I can't do that swap out. So you're going to have to pay that off. That was a redemption thing. It was a, it was a picture of this process of God redeeming the people um, in uh, this, this uh, salvation when he delivered uh, his people out of Egypt and out of slavery in Egypt in the process. And so um, it's, a, it's a really neat thing to see how he's, t- he's putting all this together now as we watch these things happening from our study through the process. So the, the Levites belonged to the Lord and they had um, things to do and things that they were called to in order for God to continue on in his journey. And, and it's such a great picture of how he's redeemed us. And now, you know, we're all called into the body and we have a place. We have a, 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 a purpose. We have a mission. We have things that we're called to do. We don't do anything to try and earn his favor because we already have that. But we do it in response to what he's done. We come in and we, we begin to, you know, do the things that he calls us to. And, and that's what we're talking about really on the weekends um, as well at this point in time. And then uh, from 14 to 51, all that's really a picture of knowing what you're supposed to do and then doing it with all your heart. You know, that's really what we're called to. We, we, we talk about being all in here on the weekends, heart, mind, soul, to strength. It's knowing what God is calling us to and then doing that to the best of our ability. And so the, the Levites were numbered, and um, even that number isn't very large, I don't think, 22,000. So they had 22,000 Levites plus the three priests for the entire sort of community of two to four million people. So it's, it's still a pretty small number. But they had a lot of stuff going on. Um, and every Levite, as we had his place of service, he had a particular job to do for God and for his people. And the duties were spelled out in detail. So, you know, as I read that list, you could see they were responsible for this and this and this, and these guys were responsible for this, and they were going to camp here. So they had things they needed to do. And, um, and so, you know, it's with us as well, we, we, God tells us in His Word how He wants us to live as His kids and as His people and as the church, and, and um, that we're to live that out to the best of our ability. Uh, we're to do it faithfully. We're to do it with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, our strength with all that he's called us to. So, so that's kind of what's happening so far in Numbers, and hopefully it's less boring than it was, because um, now hopefully it's sort of, oh, okay, well, there's some context of what's happening, and there's the story, and that's why it works, and that's what's happening in there. But uh, that's enough for today. When you're talking about Numbers, you don't want to go too long. <laughs> My son agreed wholeheartedly. Uh, so uh, if you're watching my video, thanks. We love having you watch. Come and visit us when you can. If you're on the live stream, that's cool too. And uh, we'll see you soon. God bless you guys.